This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. We have an exclusive helper who teaches us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. But the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't, they can't see him because they won't live by faith in him. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit in a life before eyes can be opened to get it that, man, I'm wrong. I'm in sin. I've been processing information the wrong way. Have you ever had a hard time believing a story you heard because, well, you weren't there? Your relationship with God would be the exact same way if it weren't for the Lord's wisdom. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with you in your heart permanently. In today's message, Pastor Troy will share with you the importance of fully accepting the Holy Spirit, being attentive to Him when He moves. Only through His work can you see clearly and live a life rooted in truth. This will help you follow after God passionately. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 14 with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. Is it easy to keep living for the one we cannot see? when there are so many others we can see pulling us in all directions? It's hard. It's hard to prioritize the invisible God when there's so many visible people trying to vie for our attention and our attitudes and just trying to get to us. So it can be very, very challenging. Is it easy to live for the glory of one you cannot see when there's an invisible enemy pouring into you how good you might be and how much attention and how you did this and how good you could be and how well you've done, how much you could do so that you could seek your own glory? It's hard, isn't it? It's very challenging. You could say that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps keep us on course, keeps us focused, brings things to remembrance that need to be brought up, puts fuel in our spiritual tanks, brings God's word to mind when we need it. He's working on calibrating our consciences, which is, by the way, a full-time job. We keep him pretty busy, actually. So we have this helper, but he's not called the helper. He's, there's a word there, another helper. And that word another is very, very important. There are a couple of words in Greek that could be used to interpret another. One is heteros. Heteros means another of a different kind. And then there's alos. Alos means another of the exact same kind. That's the word Jesus uses here, alos. Here's an example of how that looks, how that works. So let's say a friend lets you borrow a CD. So you borrow that CD, the cover and everything, and you listen to it. You love 
the music, maybe some of the songs, you know, I love the band. And so when you give the CD back, you go, I want one of those. So you go to the store and you look for their CD. Now, you heard those songs. That's fine. You want to hear different songs, though. So you buy one of their CDs, but a different one, volume two or whatever it is, and you get it. So it's, it's another, but it's another of a different kind. It's a different one. But let's say I go to the store. I liked the graphics, the artwork. That I'm going to use that. I can copy it and put it on my wall. And I love those exact songs. So I'm going to go. I'm going to find an exact copy. I'm going to go get that, and I'm going to buy that one. That is Alos. That is another one. But it is, exact, it is the exact same. It's the exact same thing. So what Jesus is saying here by saying, I'm going to send you another helper, and that word another is very key here, is there's going to be one exactly like myself who will be with you. See, the disciples are concerned about a future without him, but he's saying don't worry about that. That's why that word comforter is sometimes used because they were uncomfortable about this, and he's going to send a comforter, that you're going to be comforted. But he says, I'm going to send one to you. But, but in this case, it's not just like when he was physically here, each one of them. They can go four, five, 15 different directions, and there he is right there with them. It's better. Jesus even said, it's good that I go away. So if I don't go away, I can't send the helper, the comforter. So this gives us important information if we're going to understand verse 18. When Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Let me give you a little more background before we um, finish that one off. During Jesus' time, disciples were common. Rabbis, instructors were common, teachers. And it was a way of life. You were learning from someone. So whenever a group of learners lost their teacher through death or some unforeseeable circumstances, they were called or referred to as orphanos or orphans. The reason is they, they were teacherless. They were the one who had all of the answers, the ones who they kind of flocked around, like, I don't get it. Answer the question for us. Well, they don't have him anymore. They're, they're vulnerable and seemingly helpless. So Jesus is affirming to them that look, I'm not going to go away and leave you orphans like that. But I'm going to come to you. You won't be on your own, but I will still be with you. And he's referring specifically to the sending of another helper, just like himself, the Holy Spirit. See, it doesn't refer to when he comes back, I will come to you. Because then that wouldn't answer the question of leaving us orphans. Because then he did until he comes back. But he didn't. He's never left us alone. He's never left us orphans. Without a guide, a teacher, without the helper, the comforter, the advocate. Without himself. We're not alone. Not only is he another helper, but he's a permanent helper. Uh, look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus was with them for three and a half years as their teacher. Kind of gave them a start. Jesus allowed the disciples to know who God is, to touch him, to see. It was the starter kit. Look, you guys don't know your father. You don't know. So he kept saying things like, you've seen me, you've seen the father. I want you to know who your God is. 
So they were able to physically touch, physically see. Not only that, but he clothed himself with flesh so that he could pay the price of sin and represent us to the Father. So he did all of that, but he was only here three and a half years. Three and a half years is fine. It's a nice long time. But once that three and a half year mark came, it wasn't good anymore. Like, wait a minute, we don't want you to go. And so he promised them that he would not leave them but he would send another helper. And this helper, guess what? He wasn't going to be here just for three and a half years to kind of keep them going for a little bit. He was going to be with them forever. For good. Sealed. Done deal. Verse 17 says, he dwells with you and will be in you. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He talks about the power that will come from their life. Here's the way that I've heard it put um, concerning the role of the Holy Spirit. He comes after us to save us. So we can actually hear the conviction of God, even though he's not in us. He comes after us. He's near us. He's next to us. He convicts the world of sin. But then he comes in us to sanctify. That's a a long-term forever work. That's going on until we're in heaven and everything unlike him is done away with. But there are times where he comes upon us in sort of like a supercharge mode. Times where we are enabled to do things well beyond ourselves. Where we experience him in a way that is just more real than ever been before. I think there are times where he comes upon those who are his when they are in greatest times of of um, facing like death or, or persecution or loss and suffering. How do these guys do it? Oh, it's them? No, it's not. I believe he comes upon those who need it at the time that they need it in a supernatural, excessive kind of a way. So he's there. He's a permanent helper. He's a reliable helper. Um, he's called the spirit of truth. You know, the Holy Spirit will always tell you the truth. The Holy Spirit isn't going to try to say nice things and butter you up and talk about everybody else. He's going to talk the truth to you in love, but the truth nonetheless. See, he's not in the business of making people feel better. He's in the business of making people better. How do you know if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Is it because all of a sudden one week they're, oh, all of a sudden I just feel emotional in worship? Not necessarily, because that used to happen at Beatles concerts. (laughs) It's not that. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit has filled that person. You can do a lot of things to pull emotions and trigger emotions. No, see, when the Holy Spirit is truly in someone's life, they are moving toward holiness. They are becoming holy. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. Not the loving spirit, not the joyful spirit, not the peaceful spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so when the Holy Spirit is in someone's life, they are becoming more holy. And that's not more pious, by the way. Not like, well, I'm above everybody. I'm holy. I can't smile. Hey, wasn't that funny? I'm holy. I don't smile. That's pious. Not real. 
When I say holy, it means your life is being pulled away from the things of the world and this, this, this mindset that you're worried about you and number one and me and my future and my, my, me, me. You're pulling away from that and you're starting to realize, man, he's first, he's God. I'm available for him. I wanna be available for him. Oh, I'm not usable because of these things? Then those things must go. That is the process of becoming holy. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second half of today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. If you're enjoying the teachings of Pastor Troy Neely and would like more information about this program, we invite you to visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages from the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the books of the Bible. We'd also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, as you'll be able to gain access to the latest teachings as soon as they're posted. That website, again, is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We're blessed to be a part of your life through the teachings of this program, and we pray you're blessed as you continue to tune in. Now, back to Pastor Troy with more of today's message. We begin to love God's truth because, see, as we start to be able to live in truth, we're not hiding things anymore. We're not being defensive, trying to defend our position and our place, and so we don't like to be around this group or those people because I got stuff to hide and I feel inferior and whatever it might be. We no longer feel that because we are okay in who we are with the Lord. We're in with Him, and the truth sets us free. No longer hiding behind things. My own comfortable zone or comfort area. But I'm letting his truth pierce my heart and mold me so that I can live freely and openly. But you don't just start living freely and openly. You have to do it based upon truth. The Holy Spirit is going to teach us what that is. He's a reliable helper. He's also an exclusive helper. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Why can't they receive him? Well, it tells us. Basically, here's the the train of thought. They don't believe him because they cannot see him, which means they will not operate by faith in him. They could Every one of us has been given a measure of faith. In fact, all of us build our lives on some form of faith. Every one of us. Whether it's faith in the fact that Jesus was here and lived or faith in the Big Bang. We're going to live by faith in something. So we have the faith to believe. And why would we not? We, we, we say we can't see him so I don't believe. And yet, I believe in Christopher Columbus. He didn't save me, but I'm standing in this continent There are eyewitness records, there's historical documents that have given insight and information and recorded how things came to this place. And so I believe in him because of uh, historical data, uh, records, and what I see today. Did you know the Bible? That's all the Bible is. Eyewitnesses who were there, who lived, who wrote accounts who've given us those accounts to say, here's where you've come from, here's what happened, here's what has happened, here's what's going on, here's why you are the way you are. And not only that, but the Bible goes beyond where I'm at today, or 1500 or 1600, and goes all the way to the end, the future. Tells me all of that too, that's pretty good. So why can't you believe in the Bible? It's just like 
well, why do you believe in Christopher Columbus then? Why believe in anything? And some have bought into that, by the way. Some don't even believe we've gone to the moon. Leave those guys behind. I don't know. Listen, the Bible is the word of God. It's truth. It has been challenged for centuries and still stands. It hasn't been modified. Now you say, well, there's different versions. Yep, that's to upgrade the language, not to change any of the details. Not like the Jehovah's Witnesses who changed their Bibles. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Well, not in their Bible. They had to change that. It doesn't fit their belief. So in their Bible, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was a God. That's the New World Translation. If you have it, get rid of it. So our Bibles, and then, you, you know, you got your King James guys. Um, the King James, I don't want to, I want to tread lightly here because I know they're traditionalists. <laughs> but the King James is only as accurate as the authors who wrote that one. They were not divinely inspired. They just copied from the original. And then there's updated languages. You can find better translations in certain areas of the, than the King James in certain areas also. In fact, if it's the King James that's so anointed, what about those who only speak Spanish? Or those in third world countries? They don't have the, they don't have the King James. We have an exclusive helper who teaches us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. But the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't, they can't see him because they won't live by faith in him. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit in a life before eyes can be opened to get it that, man, I'm wrong. I'm in sin. I've been processing information the wrong way. I'm in sin. It takes a work of the Holy Spirit. You could share the gospel with somebody one day and go, man, I, I studied my notes and I did, I put it so eloquently. It was, I've never put, that was the power of God. You feel this energy and power and it's the Lord only to find on their ears. It's like, yeah, so what? You know, that's what you believe. Like, you didn't, you didn't get that. There was an anointing here. No, 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 you felt pretty good about it. And maybe God was ministering into you. Man, I'm getting this. And that's good. But it did nothing for them. See, God has to work on them. It's not about you or your eloquence or your study and all of this stuff. It has to be a work of the Lord. That's his work. We share the Holy Spirit works. And the Holy Spirit, in the meantime, is working on us all the time. So the provider, the intercessor, the helper, and now... Well, you. Look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. All right, so here's our role. Uh, You, your role, your position on the team is the conformer. You're constantly conforming, being conformed. The Bible calls it transformation. There's a work of transformation going on. He's already got the mold, Christ. We're becoming like Christ. No new molds. No mold for you and mold for them, mold for them, mold for them. We're all got different molds. No, there's one mold, Christ. 
and we're all becoming Christ-like. Jesus is saying, if you do that, you do the conforming, you obey my commands, you do that, and I'll pray the Father send you another helper because you're going to need it. This means that if we're not obeying Christ in our lifestyle, in our activities, in our priorities, you're actually working against the rest of the team, helping you to try to get victory. You're the one. God's trying to throw the out at first base, and you're going, catch them all. Hey, it's your turn to bat. I don't want to bat. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, trust me. I'm God. I know what's going to happen here. It's going to be okay. Whether it's a bunt, a fly out, whatever it is, you're going to get hit. We're going to be moving forward here. It's going to be good. But you got to get in the game. Participate. You are the conformer. As long as you obey him, you will have all that you need, everything that you need to step up to the plate and put the ball in play, to speak in baseball terms. But if you won't obey the Lord, you can't expect victory. You can't just sit around going, well, get the victory for me, Lord. It's all about you. Well, you're, you're a participant on, on team. For me, it's team Troy. For you, it's team your name. You're a participant. And if you choose to be slack, then you're not going to see victory, nor can you or should you expect to see it. You're not alone in this. You, uh, you have a part, but you're part of a team. One God and three persons, and you. You're a very small part. Just obey. And you know, guys, um, how much you put into your position, the, the obeying, it's not going to, it's not going to ruin or cause anyone else to have wins or losses in their life. Don't think you have that much control. Even on your worst day, you didn't act right. You're not going to force them to respond the wrong way either. You could lose your temper, and that's still not reason for them. Or, or let me put it, if someone else loses their temper, oh, they lost the game, that doesn't give you the right or reason, justifiable reason to lose yours too. And as the Lord throws the ball, all right, I want you to catch this one, the ball of mercy and forgiveness. I'm going to get mad instead. No, no, no. You're still part of your team. You see, you don't have to lose your game because they're going to lose. They don't affect you. You don't affect them when it comes to gaining victory. But here's what happens when you don't obey, though you won't cause anyone else to win or lose. You will cause yourself to lose out on some great victories if you don't obey. You'll see great miraculous victories. You'll start getting and seeing more victories than defeats. You'll overcome. Speaking of the team concept, we close by giving this visual. The father is like the owner of the team. He's the owner. He's got all resources, all provision. Insurance, uh, uh, retirement plan, all of that, the father. The son is like the manager coach. The manager coach has studied the playbook, has seen what the enemy is going to do, the other team, the opposing team, and he's countered, and he has really set things up for victory. It's all done. Just follow the game plan. He sends that information to his coordinator, the Holy Spirit who communicates with the team. That's you. He's speaking. The 
question is, are you listening? And let me, let me tell you something. Your victories don't depend on your ability. They will always depend on your willingness. Thanks for joining us today on Building on the Solid Rock. We hope you've learned some new things today as Pastor Troy taught through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We also have an archive of previous messages available to you free of charge, ready to be listened to online or even downloaded and shared with friends and family. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way, and we'd love to hear how you've been impacted by Building on the Solid Rock. Feel free to send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love being able to connect with our listeners in this way, and your feedback helps us continue to build this ministry. Next time, Pastor Troy will share more from the book of John and express additional examples of how Jesus proved he was unlike any other man that ever lived. Join us then, right here on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come.